On this episode of A State of Control, we talk about security, cybersecurity, securing your network and your devices, and what it all means to the AV industry. All that and more on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A State of Control. A State of Control, Episode 79, Cover Your Butt. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. Welcome to A State of Control, an AV Nation podcast that highlights the programming, control, and automation aspects of the AV industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So on today's show, we're going to be talking about a critically important topic that's been in the ICT space forever, um, but only AV has taken notice to it, unfortunately, in just the recent past, and that's security and security of systems. And with me to discuss this are two returning guests, and I'll introduce them soon. But first, I want to say hi to my partner here at Estate of Control. He's none other than Rich Fergosa. How are you, Rich? How are you? I'm, I'm doing good. Mellow West Coast greetings. I was uh, regaling you with stories of the adventures of Uncle Richie as Uncle Richie is learning to gold mine and possibly becoming a prospector. So yeah, it's always a new story with Uncle Richie, but I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be back in civilization. Stay tuned. <laughs> there, there's your teaser for the next few episodes. Uh, and uh, I'd like to welcome back two familiar guests. One is becoming... I would almost say regular nowadays, and uh, I'd like to say hi to Brian McGrogan from Verex. Welcome back, Brian. Thanks very much for having me, Steve. It's great to be back. Can't wait to talk about this topic. It's going to be a fun one. Absolutely. And I think we should get Rich to split all his uh, gold findings with us. Well, how do you think we finance the show? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, last but not least, he just joined us for his first time a couple episodes ago, but he's back for some more. And uh, his name is James King from Stockton University. Welcome back, James. Uh, Thank you uh, for having me, Steve. I'm looking forward to this topic. As Brian said, it's going to be a good one. Absolutely. So, you know, let's just start by talking about the idea of cybersecurity and what that means. So, you know, cybersecurity is becoming a real buzzword. And and if if we define it, you know, in its broad term, it's defined as protecting systems, networks, and programs against digital hackers, pretty much. Um, and and uh, cyber hacks come in many different ways and manners, and many times they're trying to, to get sensitive information or data and either causing problems for, for people, business interruption, or, or even to the point where they're you know, exploiting people for money. Um, I, I don't know that you know our industry is at that point, but the, you know we're we're only uh, as strong as our weakest link, which I like to say. And and you know we we've told stories for years about how there's been vulnerabilities in systems where uh, the hackers have gotten through in uh, on RS two thirty two port. So it doesn't really have to be something all that sophisticated. 
Um, and, and I think we're all starting to, to look at now how does security impact our world? Where, where, where is the industry going and, and what are some of the policies and procedures we have to start to implement? So Rich, let, let's kick it off there. You know, what, what does the AV industry need to do to, to get on board with this? And because we're, we do wanna be at the table with IT. So I think that this is something that is gonna be critically important. You have to take you have to take it seriously. Uh, you know, we were right before we started recording. Um, one of the issues, if someone comes to this industry from a non-IT field, right? IT security, security. It, that is just the de facto rule. You know, hopefully. But if you come from a background other than IT and not and not being steeped in it, um, security is less of a, a concern because they've never had to deal with it. So what happens is it starts to butt in on their convenience. And once it starts to butt in on their convenience, um, they're reticent to change direction at that point. Uh, case in point, uh, you know, because of all of the exploits that we've been seeing, especially over the past few years, and just because our industry is growing up and because we are becoming more connected to the greater network, to the greater corporate network, to the greater residential network, you know, um, you're, you're a, a flaw. You know, our systems could be a flaw in the overall network security. So what's happened is, you know, fortunately manufacturers are, you know, California is a perfect example now. Um, you know, there are devices that the minute that you buy them and you plug them in and you log in, you have to establish a password and a login. You, it, by law, you know, it's not even, hey, this is a great idea. It's you have to do this. Um, this is what we've told the manufacturer that you have to do. So that's the, the it, from a manufacturing standpoint, it's going to that point. Control systems manufacturers are starting to get that point as well. And I think what's going to happen is the same law that we saw in California will start to expand over the next few years. And so it is going to be, and of course, that flies in the face of somebody who's been used to, we were saying before, don't update firmware because it breaks it. Uh, <laughs> you know, and so you've got systems that are running six-year-old firmware because, you know, it's always worked and, you know, I, I don't need to fix something that isn't broken. Um, we have to adapt with the times. Um, but that does mean changing your approach to things. And, and so, uh, you know, that is a hard thing because I, I get calls all the time, you know, from, from integrators or from techs in the field. Well, why do I have to do this? Well, because it's secure, because this isn't your place. You have to make sure that, you know, I mean, this is closing the windows and locking the doors. Um, so thanks, Alexa, I appreciate it. I, I didn't know you were guest starring. Uh, Case in point, she was listening in. She was making her voice known. Um, I, I think that at that the, the biggest key right now is the hardest part is not the technology and the security. The hardest part is the humans. And how do we get the humans to take it seriously? To, uh, if I might see, add to that. So what Rich and you both talked about is Hollywood depicts a hacker as this evil villain in a dark basement, hood over their head. You can't see them. They're in command line getting into your system. That is not true. Hackers are very social. They are doing social engineering. People are your weakest link. Look at Twitter hack where what they did was they got admins password by social engineering or phishing attempts. 
and they got in for that way. They did not go through some back door or anything like that. They went for people. People are easy to crack. And like Rich says, everyone doesn't want to be inconvenient, but security by nature is inconvenient. If it's hard for you, it's hard for somebody else. Yep, and and you make a good point there too, James, and 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 both you and Rich, you know, the the convenience factor, right? If it takes me ten minutes longer to set something up, it also means that I need to document it. I need to remember it. So, you know, we do need to adjust our approach as an industry and as as people, and, and understand that we are only as good as the weakest link, and we don't want to be the weakest link, right? So we want to make sure that we adjust our approach uh, properly to ensure that we are following the best practices in security to make sure that we are not the weakest link. Yep. As I say, when I started securing the AV equipment, I had some people ask, oh, well, why are you doing that? And I turn around and go, I don't want my InfoSec manager coming to me saying the university was hacked by one of your equipment. So I'm going to do what I can to protect us. And yep. that's how I look at it. And, and, and not even just that, right? It's it, that, that small time investment right then and there and, and going and taking the understanding of it. You deploy a campus, right, with 100 different spaces or, or you know, however many number of spaces. And in six months, InfoSec comes back and says, we identified this vulnerability because you didn't secure your devices. Who eats that time to go back, right? Is that on you? Most likely, right? And now you've got to go hit all these spaces. So let's do it right the first time, right? Let's let's make sure that we're doing it right right away. Yeah, definitely doing it right the first time saves long run. Yes. So I I thank you guys for that, and and I there's tons of ways that we could follow up on that. I think you know, we touched on a couple of important things. One is that it's inconvenient, and two, it takes longer and and we, as we know, you know, we were always judged on how long something takes and being able to do your job easily. So, um, James, I'll, I'll let you take this one um, from, from your perspective, because you have a special role. You are a, a control programmer, but you also work at an institution. So you have you kind of wear both hats. You you want to make sure you're protecting your organization and 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 people are following the rules, but you also have to sub, be subjected to them yourself. So um, how how do you explain this to people in terms of um, I, I want to be able to give you this compromise of maintaining security and getting the job done? You know, what 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 does that look like in terms of um, you know? How do we? How does that translate to AV and what we do? So, I look at it kind of as multi-level. Uh, is really our end users in my field in, in higher ed. Our end users are our students and faculty members. They shouldn't be inconvenient to a certain point. So when they walk in, they should be able to turn on the projector. Uh, load up the computer and do what they need to do. But we also gotta make sure they can't throw in a, say a uh, key logger onto the computer or plug in a device into a open network port and getting access to the network. So there are procedures to protect against that, but on AV side, they should be very easy to come in, use the system, because like Brian said, we did the work first 
and took the time to secure it. So on the back end, my techs, when we're working on the back end, we have to make sure we are authenticating into the system to make any changes. Any changes are logged. We have a ticket system. Like that's where the inconvenience is for us. Our tech can't just go in and make a change. They have to go into it. They also have to be the right level tech to get into the right area to make the changes. You actually brought up a really good point there too, James, physical access, right? Having a switch installed in a rack in an empty network port up front, right? You may just be able to plug right into that with your laptop or with whatever after the professors left the room mm -hmm. and then you have access. So thinking about that aspect of it too, right? Disabling ports or making sure the ports have authentication on them, et cetera. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm, um, we talked about this before on another podcast where it was uh, AO2 uh, 1X and the PNAC. And that's your network team should be rolling that out if they haven't already. Uh, and you should have an idea of how PNAC works with your authentication or, like Brian said, disable ports. So when you plug in, nothing works unless it's off routes. Yep. So, Brian, I'll, I'll let you take this one because uh, you know we're, we're all kind of in the same boat in that we're, you know we have a job to get done and and having access and and you know especially these days remote access and we, we talked about that in in a previous show is, is critical but yet security comes into play there um, what steps can we take or, or what are our options to be able to support our clients? And, and be able to, to handle security or be observant of security or compliant, let's call it. So I, I think the biggest thing right up front uh, when you uh, sent me over the outline, Steve, was it has to be a dialogue, right? It has to be a dialogue with the customer right from the very beginning. And we, we want to understand, one, that we want to let them know that we want to understand their security needs. Um, and that we're going to do everything we can do to meet them. Um, but we also need them to understand, like you said, we do need access at some level. Um, and especially in today's age, we do need remote access as well. So getting those pieces started right up front, I know for a bunch of different clients that I've worked for, you know, I've got to fill out 20 pages of documents in order to get remote access. And then I end up going through a background check, sometimes even a credit check just to, to get that remote access. So starting that up front, identifying those pieces is, is really key. Um, and then staying on top of it once we have that, right? We don't want to to lose that trust, right? Just because maybe, again, we come back to convenience. I'm not going to share my login with someone else on my team just because they haven't been approved yet, right? I'm going to, I'm going to suck it up and, you know, it may be nine o'clock on a Friday night, but you know, I'm going to jump on and I'm going to help. And, you know, if I have to be the eyes and the ears, I have to be the eyes and the ears. So, you know, coming up with that strategy and ensuring that one, as a person, I can understand what, what needs to be done too, but also then looping back in our teams to make sure they understand, right? So the next time we take this project or the next time we do this, we need to start these steps, you know, two weeks earlier to make sure that, that those things don't happen. So there are a lot of different angles to that and the way that it can work. And Brian, I think you really made a good point there is not just not sharing your password with your teammates, but not even sharing your device. You, I mean, you might connect VPN to a client site and then be like, okay, I got to step away. And your coworker goes, I got to check my email. But now they have access to your client site, which they may not 
be allowed to. So that is another whole thing is making sure your devices are not being compromised just to get into a site that you have access that other people don't. Yep, absolutely. And again, that, that comes down to a dialogue, right, of, you know, I may be the main support for a certain client, but I also need to have a backup, right? It can't just be one person that has access. So, you know, you need to do everything you can do to make sure we're, we're, we're being compliant with security, you know, making sure the client is, is happy and secure, uh, at, but also doing the piece we need to do on our end to make sure that we can support them in a, in a timely manner. Totally agree. Rich, uh, I'll, I'll let you kind of give us the angle from, from your worlds where you also, you're not only handling these corporate situations where you have to comply by the rules, but you're also uh, of another organization, but you also are working with, in uh, people's houses and residential situations where you kind of almost have to make the rules to keep them safe. Um, how do you go about that? And, and, and uh, what responsibility do we have there? Well, what's funny is, is, you know, when James and, and, and Brian were just talking, uh, in a home, you can't hide behind company policy as the end-all be-all, right? You know, I want to do the company policy. Oh, can't do it, right? You know, I can't hide behind that necessarily. Uh, and so it, again, and I think one of the things that we've always talked about is there are, there are concerns from a technician and from a programmer standpoint, from an employee of a company, but there are bigger concerns for the owner of a company. And it's liability, you know, and it's like insurance, right? Nobody ever needs it until something goes bad. Security is the same thing. Nobody talks about security until something goes bad. And then at that point, you have to have your butt covered. I mean, there's no other way to say it, man. You got, you got to cover your butt from that because like we were just talking about what you just said, Steve, you don't want to be the weak link. You don't want to be the one holding the back because a couple of things happen. Either you have time that you have to put in to cover your tracks to make sure that everything is compliant again, or you are potentially financially liable for a loss. And, and that is something that becomes more and more widespread over time. Um, in resi, I think we're getting a little bit of a helping hand with um, kind of the bigger, the, the bigger companies out there with just something as simple as two-factor authorization. Um, 2FA right now is something that is inconvenient as heck, but we push it because again, 10 years ago, you know, yeah, we're, you know, you, you're dealing with sensitive information from a company standpoint. And then I'm dealing with the C-level execs that I have their credit card numbers, their social security numbers, their passwords and the codes on how to get the passwords. You know, I mean, that's stuff that we're holding that we held that we don't hold anymore because it is not safe. We should not be entrusted. But again, these are people from the convenience factor. I can't tell you over the past 15 years how many times I would get a call on a Saturday night. What's my password for this? You know, you know, it's like, you know, what literally they don't know <laughs> their security information and they would call me and we'd be the gatekeepers. Now, fortunately, and I think that you know, 99.99% of the companies out there are ethical 
and they understand that when they are dealing with sensitive information to do everything they can to protect it and to hold it in a secure location. And, and we do that, you know, making sure that you don't store, you know, people's passwords and stuff in a Yahoo mail account or something, you know, I mean, it's, it's just making sure that stuff like that at least has that first layer of defense. Um, we are more and more reliant on 2FA for a simple reason. And our response is, look, it's important to me that you know when I'm accessing your system. I want you to be aware of when this happens because you can decide whether or not, yeah, is it inconvenient? Might you be in a meeting? Do I have to wait 30 minutes for something else or wait until tomorrow? Okay, that's fine. But I'd rather have that inconvenience than for the barn doors to be completely open and, and for anybody and everybody to be able to get it. Not to say that I wouldn't have an employee who left the company and they were just curious, <laughs> you know, to be able to get it. You know, people aren't necessarily malicious at times. People are just curious. And, and, and so, uh, you know, like, like James was saying, it's not somebody sitting back there with a cloak on there. It's just somebody who's kind of bored and goes, oh, hey, I wonder if that house that we connected to three years ago, I wonder if I could still see the cameras at the pool. Or, oh, hey, I've got a new girlfriend. I want to show her this job that I did a couple of years ago. I mean, that's how those stories occur. And then what happens is that their internal IT or somebody happens or something gets posted or a snapshot on social media um, gets posted of, some, of the interior of somebody's house and they're showing off their artwork. Well, their insurance policy states that that cannot be retransmitted. Those are the things, the real world things that happen. And as from a liability standpoint, those are the ones that you get dinged for. Where again, with 2FA or with anything else, even with basic VPN or remote access, right? If you change your password or VPN, you get a key, you have to re-authenticate with a trusted source. If nothing else, at least there is a, uh, th there's the trail of crumbs to be able to go back and go, oh, hey, wait a minute, that Mac ID is somebody who, did, who worked for me three years ago or, or, or anything like that. So, you know, it, the tools are there. Um, the process is necessary. The inconvenience is irrelevant. And that's the way that we look at it at this point. Um, it's just the nature of, of, of dealing in today's world. And, and a couple of, you know, before we started recording, we talked about exploits from, uh, you know, uh, the cameras, the, you know, the, their Dyna doesn't. You can buy a $69 internet connected camera. Those are exploits. Do you want to be the one that, again, on somebody's social media page or whatever it happens to be, it's snapshots from homes. Whether or not they know the identity of the person or that home, the fact is, is that you might be part of that exploit. And, and so those are the things that we consider and we look and we go, you know, we don't want to, to, we don't want to open that up, especially now when the tools are there to keep at least that first layer of defense. Funny actually you mentioned that, Rich. I, I don't know how often you guys watch TV. There's a show out there that wife and I enjoy watching called 911. Uh, and they actually did a, an episode where they kind of had, they didn't talk about security in general itself, but the issue happened was a guy's ex-girlfriend logged into his smart home and messed with him, causing him to fall, knock his head down and have, she called the 911 to have him rescued. But all she did was log into his smart home to mess with him, changing the temperature of his shower, 
turn the lights on, turn them off, all that stuff. That's scary stuff that like people can do. And thinking about what people who really want to come after you and what they can do. I still talk about the one Japanese pop star who she was very concerned about her privacy. So when she took selfies and stuff, she made sure nothing was in the background that could identify where she was. One of her crazy stalker fan would zoom in on her eyes and get the reflections off her eyes and track where she lived. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh you know, I, I, another comment on what Rich said too, you know, from a business owner's perspective, which, you know, Rich and I kind of share, uh, you know, have our respective businesses is that cyber, cyber security insurance or cyber insurance is becoming a bigger thing that we're starting to see in contracts. And, and it's a real thing. I mean, all the things that you just said, Rich, th- those are, those are, are all serious. And somebody who has, money and wants to, to litigate is going to come after you if, if you, you leave yourself, leave them vulnerable. Um, and I think it all speaks to responsibility. Um, I, you know, I, we're, we're coming close on time, but I did want to touch on one thing that, that we, uh, had wanted to talk about and, and that's the, the solar winds compromise and and I want James to to take this but solar winds is a is software that is used to to monitor uh, networks and systems and and to to be able to to get data and and you know it, it's a it's a IT tool that that was hacked into so so James uh, tell us a little bit about you know th- that those types of implications and what what that could mean to us. Yeah, um, not to go down the whole rabbit hole of solar winds. Uh, if you don't know about solar winds, it's everywhere on the internet. You can look that up. But the where that lies with us is the exploit from solar wind came from a trusted source. So solar wind was compromised. These people threw back doors in, and when their solar winds clients went and did the normal updating like you're opposed to from a trusted source. They were actually being become vulnerable because of that export. And that's where, like we were talking earlier before recording is we don't want to become that. We need to continue to be that trusted source as programmers and all that stuff is when we put things out in our clients' places, they're not having those backdoors, that they are trusted sources. So we got to protect our end to make sure that we're protecting our clients as well. And, and you actually, you bring up a, a, something there, um, James, that, that Rich also touched on too, right, is that came from the inside, right? And, and it could be as simple as, you know, I needed to install this application on my PC in order to, to work on, you know, this one piece of hardware. And that version, there's an exploit in. Right. And and while while I was at home, it did nothing. As soon as it detected some sort of corporate network, out it goes. So, you know, it, it is being very conscious of that yourself as well. And and, you know, just stopping for a moment and thinking, what am I about to do? You know, just take that extra moment, take that extra minute while it is an inconvenience. It's an inconvenience that's necessary. Yep. And like Brian mentioned earlier, and uh, even with the solar wind thing is, one of the steps they've taken afterwards was I don't think they publicize their clients anymore because now their client list becomes a target. Just like Brian's mentioning is 
you look at some of these firmware releases and you read the file, which I strongly suggest everyone read before doing anything, they don't mention what security bugs they fix because if you don't update it, it those firmware versions become targets. So this is your kind of protecting your clients by not saying what they're vulnerable to by running certain old firmware. I think we're, we're going to have to leave it there, but I think that this is, has the uh, potential for a follow-up episode. So I'll, I'll tease that and we'll, uh, and stay tuned for more because this is a great topic. And, and I think, you know, today we talked a lot about best practices and I think that we can follow this up with talking about actual, you know, tactical strategies that, that we can do. And also some of the impact too, because even when it comes down to device control, which we really didn't get into as much today, more and more manufacturers have to be aware of this and, and are, many of them are starting to implement uh, di different forms of security, you know, wh whether it's uh, secure connections or TLS or tokens or OAuth. And it's, these are all, some of the, these are new terms to a lot of people. And it's something that we should probably get into a little bit. Um, so stay tuned for that. But I'd like to thank you guys for the great conversation today. This was a, a wonderful episode and I think a good education, very valuable to a lot of people. Uh, first, I'd like to start with Brian McGrogan from Verix. Brian, thanks for being here today. How can people get in touch with you and learn more about Verex? Well, thank you very much for having me, Steve. I, I, this is such a great topic to talk about, and I could have gone on for hours on it. So uh, you can find me, B. McGrogan, on social media, uh, bmcgrogan at verex.com. Uh, and you can find Verex on the web at verex.com as well. Very good. Thank you. Uh, next, uh, uh, James King from Stockton University. How can people find out more or get in touch with you, find out more about what you're doing. And I know you're doing a lot of things in a lot of channels. Uh, I am uh, very active on social media as well as with uh, HEPMA. So maybe you could talk about that a little bit as well. Yeah. Uh, first, thank you, uh, Steve, for having me. And like Brian said, this is topic we can talk all day. In fact, it seems like every avenue I've been on where we have a security talking, we always are cut short before we get to the meat of things because it's so in depth. But you can find me on uh, Twitter at AV underscore James King. I am on LinkedIn, but not as active there. I also write for the higher education digital media. Uh, I do an IT and AV column where I talk about AV and IT and hopefully more security stuff coming from that as well. Great. And that's uh, higheredav.com? Correct. Excellent. And last but not least, Rich, another great episode. It's always great when you and I don't have to do all the talking, right? I'm telling you, th these are my favorite episodes when I can sit and, and just kind of drink from the font of knowledge um, from, from these two, from our guests. And uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, my, my feeling about this is always, if you think you don't like getting yelled at because a projector doesn't turn on, you don't want to get a call because you were the, 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 the weak link in the cybersecurity. You know, that's the way that I look at it. I'm like, if, if you if you don't like those bad news calls and getting yelled at, imagine that kind of call. So if you want to avoid that kind of call, listen to what these guys were talking about, because it is it, it, it is not the exception anymore. Um, with that said, when we talk about it in part two, three, and four, uh, I would love for you to find us back here. <laughs> um, you can find me personally on Twitter at rfragosa. You can find the company at Fragosa Design. 
But first and foremost, as I will always say, I would love for you to find us here on avnation.tv, here on A State of Control or other Swedish shows, Resi Week, AV Week, and all the other verticals that we hit. That would be the best place possible. And even better if you would find a way to support our sponsors. Can't, can't say any more than that. Thank you, Rich. Um, I, I'd like to add another show that's just gone through its reboot called uh, The IT Factor. And I'm actually going to be on that with Frank Patakawa coming up. Uh, so check that out. And it probably would be a nice uh, uh, complimentary piece to, to this discussion. So if you're interested in that, Frank gets really in deep with, uh, with IT and AV. So check, check that out as well. Um, please, please reach out to, to Rich and to me, and we want to hear from you. I know that there's a lot of people listening and, and I hope more and more each day, but we'd love your feedback, um, whether you can comment on our posts or just send us a note. It's, it's great to know that people are listening, but it's also great to know what people want to know more about and what, if, and what they like and don't like about what we're doing. So check that out, reach out to us. Um, at avnation.tv and also all the social channels. If you want to reach me, um, it's simply at Steve Greenblatt on all the social platforms or my company, Control Concepts, which is at controlconcepts.net. Other than that, we've hit, hit our limit for today on a state of control. Thanks for being with us. Thank you.